Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work, aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction for an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. I am your host, Trent Russell. And today, as we continue our series on the 2022 Beacon Award winners. We have the one and only Norman Marks. For those that are not familiar, super impressive resume, background, thought leader, has has been recognized by Richard Chambers, former IA CEO and president, the one who puts the Beacon Award winner list together as as a Beacon Award winner, thought leader in audit every year that Richard's put that list together. I believe it was last year said if there was to be one thought leader in the space, it would likely be Norman. Uh, I would agree. Amongst all those, if you are not familiar with Norman's blog, just Google Norman Mark's blog, you'll find it. We'll have a link in the show notes as well. It's probably the single best resource to learn and understand how all of this works. If I was a CAE, I would make it required reading for every single person on the team. I told Norman, I can't remember if it was off camera or not, but or during the recording or not, I was like, I read about 80%. So I'm a little hypocritical there. I don't read 100% of them. Um, but if I was a CAE, I would definitely make sure everyone read every single one. There's a, blog, a post that comes out once, twice a week. Always very informative. The comments, Norman's very good about interacting with those and giving us uh, thoughts. So if you disagree, let them know. That's honestly some of the best stuff. <laughs> so like, no, that's terrible opinion. We totally disagree. And then Norman comes back and states why he's right most of the time. So anyway, it's a pretty just open conversation. There was a handful of questions that we covered and then we just kind of hung around and talked about those questions and kind of went back and forth. Uh, but some of the things that we hit on is what is in Norman's browser history. And then I asked him to fill in the blank that the best CAEs dot, 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 or I guess blank, blank, blank in that scenario. I was going to ask follow-up questions of, okay, the best managers dot, 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 the best staff dot, 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 but he kind of crushed it and covered all those with uh, the one question. So we're good there. And then lastly, we kind of did a role play of Hey, I represent the organization um, of the audit committee. I'm on the board, whatever. And you're the CAE and I tell you, hey, go do cybersecurity audit. Cybersecurity, ESG. I forget who we're talking to a while back. I think earlier in their year. And we the question was something like, other than ESG and cybersecurity, what is the board talking about? 
what do they care about? Because that's all anybody's talking about. And so knowing that, it, it kind of seems like a lot of folks, especially when it comes to cyber, go, hey, that's a technical thing. I don't understand it. I know it's a big deal. It's all over the place. So, hey, audit, just go do that. And so I want to get Norman's thoughts on if you got told or asked, hey, go do a cybersecurity audit, how would you discuss that with the organization? All right, here we go. I had a guy, he was not, he's not audit related. He, uh, he was a keynote at a, uh, the GRC conference a while back and he did come from KPMG or something. And he was just like, I mean, he's a good, good, you'd see a lot of keynotes. Some of them you just go, how did you get this job? But there's other that you go, you were like born to do this. That's who this Sean, that's who he is. And so anyway, we had him on and I was kind of shooting the shit with him and asked him like what what questions would you ask a host? And he said, I would want to know what was in someone's uh, internet browsing history. And I thought uh, it's kind of interesting. So without being, uh, you know, there's kind of a balance. <laughs> That's a pretty personal question on some level. But if we looked at your browsing history, what would be in there? Interesting. And a very interesting question. Possibly the, the second most interesting question I've had um, over my career, uh, the, the most interesting was when I was interviewing with the chairman of the audit committee at, at the Tosco Corporation, he asked me what I was reading. Mm-hmm. And that really set me back because uh, he wanted to know how broad my my thinking was and, how, and my vision. And he, he was looking for me to be reading not only newspapers and magazines, but current events, uh, discussions and and not necessarily technical so um what's in my browser actually you would be surprised i think um i'm i'm doing an audit and i've wrote, written a little bit about this just uh this week i'm doing an audit for my my wife's church mm-hmm. and one of the things i'm looking at and i really don't know how many internal auditors do this but I'm looking at the adequacy of tax reporting. And, you know, I swore a long, long time ago after I got my chartered accountancy qualification, uh, when everybody else was doing the um, the tax accountant or tax auditor professional uh, certification in England, I swore I would never do that because I hated taxes. Yeah. Um, so I, I do taxes for myself. I actually do taxes for one or two other people. But here... As I was looking at the financials, I was bringing out my inner accountant. And what you'll find in my browser is uh, searches for IRS guidance on the capitalization of property (laughs) and um, unrelated business income. So that's what you're going to find in in my browser. It's it's, it's what what are these interesting things? So one of the greatest definitions I've heard is the definition of a wise person. Mm. And I've forgotten who it was that wrote this, but uh, a wise person is somebody who knows the the limits of their knowledge and the vast extent of their ignorance. (laughs) And I think this applies to all of us, and especially internal auditors, frankly. Um, And this is also something I've been focused on over the years, which is that we tend to think that we have the answer and we are closed. We close our ears 
we close our minds to the possibility that there's a need to take the risk, that management may actually know better than we do whether there's a risk or whether something should be taken and what the the response should be. Uh, so it, this is actually something that I'm a big, big fan of, of uh, Tom Peters. I'm sure you know of, of him and uh, In Search of Excellence and, and other wonderful books that he has written. Uh, one of the, my favorites was uh, In Pursuit of Wow, um, which I actually wrote an article for the Internal Auditor, IIS Internal Auditor magazine about Wow Internal Auditing. Um, but he and I had a conversation because he started talking about a pet subject of his, which is managing by walking around. And one of the things I tell internal audit practitioners is to listen rather than talk. Find every opportunity to listen and learn rather than talk and preach and, and show humility. And instead of, and internal auditors need to be auditing by walking around because that's the way in which they actually get to understand the business by going out and showing their imagination and curiosity. How do you do this? Why do you do it this way? And it's not necessarily something that's in the scope of the audit, but just to understand the fundamentals of the business. So therefore you can contribute more in terms of your assurance of uh, advice and insight. But what I told Tom is that instead of managing by walking around, he should be managing by listening around. And he bought into that totally. Unfortunately, he, he, he continues to talk about managing by walking around because everybody is familiar with that. Yeah. that ends. But too many executives, and I've seen this as well, they go managing by walking around and they go and they talk at people, but they don't enable themselves to listen to people. And if you think about it from an internal audit point of view, from a risk management point of view, the inability of the leadership to hear what is happening in the business, to hear what is of concern to the janitor, to the accounts payable clerk, to the supervisor of building facilities, um, is a risk, if you like. They're not, they're not seizing the opportunity of finding ways to improve operations. And especially these days with people wanting to be heard, people wanting to be recognized. The, the newer generations, such as yourself, Trent, um, want a little bit more to be about them and satisfying their personal needs. It's not about always doing what is right for the company mm -hmm. or the organization. And anyway, well, I'm sort of going off at a tangent here, but I think the, the fact that a lot of people may believe in the organization, may be dissatisfied, um, is something that internal audits should be concerned about and, and retaining the, 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 the people necessary to lead the organization to success. Yeah. There's some people when they go on tangents on this show, I already know in my head we're going to cut it, you know? We're just going to let that roll. There's there's nuggets of goodness all throughout your tangent, so feel free to go on whatever tangent you like. But there's a couple things from that that I noted. So listening, if, if someone's thinking about how do you do that or even 
a way to get better at it. 70-30 is a really good way to think about that. So listen 70% of the time, talk or ask questions 30% of the time. That's what's helped me in the past go, all right, you're talking too much. Shut up. It's clearly been more than the 30%. So that's that's what's helped me listen better and ask better questions is to go, I feel like I've been talking more than 30% of the time. Um, your definition of being wise, if I've learned anything from the show, it's how little I know. Uh, if I've learned anything even more from reading your blogs, it's how little I know about other areas of risk management. And so with that said, and given the season, I'm, I'm, I'm like a wise man, I think. I'm like one of the wise men. Um, very wise in that sense. The thing that we are going to edit, though, is that you said that was the second best question you ever heard and already gave Sean credit for <laughs> suggesting that to me. So we're going to wipe that part out and then everybody's just going to assume that I uh, asked you the second best question you've ever been asked. But anyway, I, I, I say that jokingly. I am curious, though, you know, before we started, before we hit the record button, I said, Norman, I know you know the details and you can answer practically any question that we have. Um down to kind of like a staff level type of executing on a given control or whatever it is. But I respect your opinion that you have developed over the years that I feel like the most value we can give the listeners is for you to provide that like high level, almost mindset as opposed to, okay, well, this is what we should do about ESG or this is what the, where they got it wrong with the standards or, or whatever that is that I feel like is if nothing else has been discussed in your blogs and amongst other um, thought leaders. And so it, I almost feel lazy asking questions like this, but fill in the blank for me. The best chief audit executives. Listen, I'm going to come, keep coming back to that. And I think the best internal auditors, the best executives, the best humans, listen, and if I had one type of training that I'd recommend for everybody, it's in active listening. Active listening. Um, I heard a definition just on the radio this morning that somebody is listening if they're actually thinking about the same topic <laughs> as the person speaking. But most people, and there's, there's another piece of, of research that I've, I've heard, most people are actually not really listening. They're waiting for the other person to stop talking so they can talk. Yeah. Um, but active listening and getting the most out of everybody is such a wonderful technique. It's, it's a way to really understand what's happening and why it's, it's happening, why people are doing something, not just what they're doing. And it's also a way of Building relationships. I, I I tell this story, and, and I don't know whether you, Toronto or, or others have heard this one before from me, but um, when I was at Tosco Corporation, one of my managers went off to, to speak to um, a senior executive, and a couple of hours later, that, that executive gave me a call, praising my auditor, and saying he's the most wonderful auditor. I love having him. We, he, he, he understands the business. He understands what we're trying to do. And I think he will be a great partner for us, helping us make sure that we're doing the right thing and giving us ideas of what we need to do going forward. So congratulations on hiring him. 
And I thought, great. This is the kind of feedback I want to get from executives, right? 20 minutes later, uh, I talked to that manager, bringing him into, into my office and congratulate him for obviously having this excellent conversation and building this new relationship with the senior executive. And he looked at me totally puzzled. What? He said that? No. I sat in there and he talked and I hardly said a word the whole time. I was just listening to what he said that occasionally I'd ask a question. But I hardly ever, I don't think I went in there, if I went in there to, to, with any specific, specific questions, I'm not sure I actually got to ask them. <laughs> but I just listened to what he had to say and I learned so much from him. And I want, I, I, he was very happy that he built that relationship and now he could go in and ask those questions. Yeah. But the point being that if we just open our minds, open our hearts to, and certainly open our ears to what is being said. The other thing is that um, active listening, and that I went to an American Management Association training class, a three-day training class on listening. Mm. Um, actually, it was, all, it was an effective management, but listening was a major part of it. And at one point, I, I, I surprised the, the leader, the trainer, by saying that we should be listening with our eyes. Because if 80% of communication is through body language, nonverbal body language, we really should be listening with our eyes. Now, just, just this week on this audit of the church, one of the things that I started thinking about was the different personality types that you deal with um, when, you, when you're auditing. And there's this one gentleman, and his voice was, uh, was accommodating, was welcoming, but his eyes and his body language said, why are you wasting my time? Mm -hmm. Right? And the ability to listen to that makes you as an auditor or as professional or an executive or a human being more effective because you can recognize that and adapt what you're saying. But certainly active listening with mirroring techniques, asking the right questions um, is so, so important. So coming back to your question, the, the, the most effective head of internal audit, that is one of their skills. Another one, Picking up on a theme of Tom Peters, which is what I 100% believe in, is um, treasuring your people. Okay? Give them respect. You don't have to like them, but respect them and listen to them and empower them. Give them what they need to be effective. Um, so you may need to spend more or less time with them depending on what they need. But even sometimes the most effective members of the staff need your attention. They need recognition, right? People talk about um, how lonely they feel, even though they're surrounded by a bunch of others, because nobody will look at, their, look at them in their eye. Nobody will give them a smile. Um, as a head of internal audit, we are most effective, as with any executives, through the work of our people. And a top executive 
recognizes that it's his people that make internal audits effective, not him or yeah. her. And, and I don't think we do enough of that. The, the third thing is we really need to be providing the assurance, advice, and insight that the executives need right. to our organization. There is one sentence in the draft global internal audits uh, standards, the new one, that is buried in there. It's not in the purpose statement. It's not anywhere other than in the governance section. And it says internal audit needs to give the governance body what they need. And if we took that and put that right on top, and we say that the head of internal audit gives the the decision makers, the the executives, the board members, what they need to do their job in terms of assurance, advice, and insight on what matters, mm -hmm. then we're going to be hugely effective. Now, in order to do that, you've got to come back to number four, which is focus on what really matters. Too many auditors bury brilliant nuggets of gold in a mass of trivia. They write audit reports with a bunch of things that don't really matter to the top executives. And that makes it more difficult for them to read it. If there's only one really important thing to say, only to say one thing, mm -hmm. um, you, you make, you make it more, you've got to make it easier for your customers to consume what you have to say, to understand what you have to say, to hear it, to ask you questions about it. And that's another thing. We, we spend too much time focusing on written communications and not on communicating through our relationships and having constructive discussions about what is happening and how it can be approved. If we are supposed to be a member of the management team, the executive management team, then we've got to act as a member of the executive management team and talk to people and be willing to listen to them and work together with them to understand the impact of what we're seeing, give them the assurance they need and the advice and insight to make, if necessary, improvements. The first thing before that rant, you mentioned that it started off with active listening and you're talking about the importance of that. I'd never felt more pressure to effectively actively listen to someone in my life as I did when you just, when you kept going, you know, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta be good at this. This is the topic that he's talking about right now. I, I'm, I could do the example right now. The other thing is, uh, of those four, so active listening, training, Google it, go read books. People can figure that out. Treasure people, somewhat similarly. You've got, you've got to practice it. You've got to practice it every minute of every day to be effective. And I think that's a, 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 something that's easy to do because, especially if you are married, you kind of have to do that every single day. Or you have kids or something, you have to do it every single day. Oh, come on. How many husbands and wives are actually effective in doing that? You have the opportunity to practice every single you day. You have the opportunity, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, treasure people somewhat similarly, there's tons of management books on how to do that. And you can practice that again every single day, but it's, but it's gotta, it's gotta be in here. It's gotta be what? It, but you gotta, it's gotta be in your heart. Mm. It can't be something that you learned in a management training class. Yeah. It's gotta some, be something that is actually, because 
you have to believe it because your staff will see this as false if it's not. Good point. Assurance, advice, insight. Hopefully we're doing that already. I mean, that's kind of what we're supposed to be doing. Then four, focus on what matters. So this is the one I kind of want to get a little bit more into the how. Yeah. To me, the advice I've given is just ask. Like, what do you want? What do you need? Just ask them what they want, what they care about, rather than uh, making assumptions, although I'm fine with making some assumptions. And then with that, I think especially at the executive level, maybe, know that there's going to be some ego involved in what they want. And so if I just asked a given CEO, like, what do you want? I'm, I'll get a surface level answer. Right. But buried under that also, there's, I think, some ego that needs to be considered. So how would you approach the, like, how do you understand what someone wants, actually wants? Well, first of all, they may not know. There's a difference between what they need and what they want. Yeah. And I don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to what an executive wants mm. because that may be what he wants personal and it's not relevant to the success of the organization. I try to focus on what is important for the success of my organization, um, not just avoiding failure, but actually realizing opportunities and delivering the, the potential of the organization. So it starts with understanding what are the objectives of the organization, what needs to be accomplished in order to achieve them, and what could go wrong and inhibit that. So it, you notice that I didn't start with what could go wrong. I started with what needs to be right. done. Uh, because too many people focus on the negative and they don't realize there's an upside in yeah. the management as well. Um, and I will make sure that my audits, the scope, and, it, and in fact, even the individual ones, are designed to provide the assurance, advice, and insight that they need. That may not be something that they even knew they needed. So when I ask them what they want, they won't necessarily tell me because they don't even know. Yeah. We can tell them. Um, take this point with the church. Okay. I'm finding issues with the accounting they had no no idea about. So if I'd asked them what they wanted, that it, it would never have come out. It would never have come up. And and this is one of the one of the the, the problems with, with the interview, relying upon interviews with executives, is they, they don't necessarily know, and they won't necessarily tell you either. Um, but if you think about, and you talk to them about, what does it take to achieve this particular metric, this particular goal? And now you can start thinking about what are you focused on? Where do you spend your time? And that's it's another question. I prefer to ask, where do you spend your time? Than what you than what do you worry about? Where do you spend your time? It's perhaps a, a better indicator. But the the other side of that is that while I'm focusing on making sure I understand what are the things that matter to the success of the organization, I am I try to be very disciplined to avoid auditing what doesn't matter. Yeah, and. It got it got into a little bit of a discussion on my blog about this this week, where somebody was talking about, well, don't you talk to the executives as you start an audit of subsidiary? 
to find out what their risks are. Well, yes, I sort of do, but I've already decided to go in and do that audit because there's something happening there, which is an enterprise risk. If I spend a lot of time working on what management of subsidiary is concerned about, I may be spending maybe even most of my time working on things that would never matter to the leaders of the organization. And there are so many risks these days, things that deserve and merit our attention that we're not focused on, such as all the potential disclosures that are not subject to external audit review. Mm-hmm. Um, I some a couple of those are heading the high notes in terms of cyber, um, in terms of ESG, but the corporation makes a lot of disclosures, and there's a risk if those are wrong in a material sense. But even more so, we've got the loss of people, we've got um, fluctuations in the economy, fluctuations in 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 raw material prices and how they're being managed. Loss of key personnel is is a is a big issue right now, isn't it? Uh, in in some industries, and 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 people like Sean Lyons would would talk about reputation risk. There are there, there's a lot of areas that we're not auditing, is my point, and uh, that are potential source of risk to the organization and its success. So we have to be very disciplined and not waste our time doing things that will contribute that value to our customer. And that brings brings me back to another of my pet peeves, which is that we spend too much time doing audits the way we've always done them. And we're doing things that, and spending time, which doesn't have a direct value to our customer. We're not going to get sued for internal audit work. We're not the external auditor. So why are we spending up to 40% of our time doing administrative tasks, administrivia, uh, such as reviewing working papers and, and, and making them get revised, going through three or four uh, versions of an audit report? Yeah. Okay. Why? Or even, why are we following up on audit findings? Okay, when management has already committed and management owns a responsibility, now even doing a follow-up audit, some people are still doing cyclical-based audits. They're doing audits year after year of the same area. Well, if that's necessary, that means they failed each time. If 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 you've been them to do an audit and things haven't improved, that's that's on you. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with the way in which you're sitting down with management and talking about, discussing, you're listening as well as them, what needs to be done and why it needs to be done. So focus on how effective you are. And that brings me back to another point I made just recently, which is understand the risk to internal audits and the value you're you're delivering. But again, I've gone off on a number of tangents here, but uh, there is so much that internal auditors can do to to be more effective and more efficient, provide our customers with the assurance, advice, and insight they need 
when they need it in a form that they're able to take action on because you've been sitting down with them talking about it, not just writing a report. A report doesn't persuade anybody to do anything. The inefficiencies post that you made or blog post that you made, I think it was within the past two or three weeks, maybe maybe even four. That was one of my favorite. It was one that I was working with a group and that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. Who cares about the wording of this thing if it's especially internal? Like, just let it go. Like, just if that's how they write, let them write like that. It doesn't matter that it matches your style. That's kind of been a pet peeve of mine. And so when I read that with yours and you took it, I think, even a couple steps further and where the inefficiencies um, that you've seen or that we could get rid of. And I pointed to it in, in working with a group and reviewing some of their their process, their analytics process. I went, look, you don't have to believe me. And I just sent them a link to that post because they are familiar with you and, and your expertise. And I was like, this, Norman agrees that this is, doesn't really make any sense and that we don't need to do this. They're like, okay, fine, that'll work. So uh, I appreciate you helping me get that point across. The other thing, because you said this and it made me realize from the first time that we talked or that you were on the show a couple of years ago, I believe, uh, the question you said that you like to ask folks is, where have you been spending your time? Um, the clip that we chose from the last time you we were on here and we can link it in the show notes. If not, Google the audit podcast, Norman Marks, YouTube, whatever. People know how to use the internet. You can find it. But the clip that we chose, it's just you just ru- uh, like this probably eight, ten questions that were similar to that, that they were just, these are really good questions that we could ask hmm. management. Um, even if you're just, we talk about relationships all the time on this show. If you want to build a relationship and understand and empathize with someone, asking that question, where are you spending your time, as opposed to just as an opener. So heads up for everyone that I'm going to have a Zoom call with in the future, you're likely going to get that question from me instead of, how you been doing? How's your day been? Yeah. How's your week been? You're probably going to get, how have you been spending your time or where have you been spending your time this week? I think that's such a good question. So all that to say, now I'm going on tangents, all that to say, <laughs> look at uh, go watch that video. I remember going back. I've referred to it often. Uh, and at one point I wrote down every one of those and stashed them somewhere. So I have to dig that back up. But um, something that, you know, I talked about, I didn't want to get too detailed because I want your uh, high level kind of thoughts. But I know I'm not a cybersecurity person. Um, it's not something that I stay up to date on a ton. And, but I know, I think it was this year, maybe two years ago, I know you've written about it a lot, but you brought it back to cyber hits everywhere. How does that tie to the objective? Like if you're going to scope an audit or look at cybersecurity risk, how does that tie to the objectives of the organization? Which is the thing that I think really like put it in my head and drilled it into me of that should be our focus Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, if not all the time. So I was curious, like, let's say you are the CAE or the auditor, whatever, and I am the audit committee chair or represent the board. And I say, Norman, we know cybersecurity is a big deal. Go audit it. What would your reply be? Go audit cybersecurity. I would say that I'd be happy to do that. And uh, I will um, report back. The The first thing that we need to do is understand what the risk represents how big the risk is because and i'll leave some statistics out in front of them 
this shows what the average cost of a cyber attack really is and how most of them are like one or two million dollars in total total cost and and uh, and then and then I would talk I would I wouldn't get into it too much then but my next step would be to go to talk to the not the chief information security officer but chief information officer mm. the CIO and a lot of chief information security officers don't like reporting to the CIO because the CIO is a is a business focused person it's the good ones they not only have the technical background but they understand the business and I would want to talk to the CIO about how concerned they are about the possibility of a breach and how it would impact the the organization and and its effectiveness its ability to deliver products and services and, and do everything else that the company needs to do. Because what the surveys have shown is that most C CIOs don't want to invest in cyber. Not to the extent of the information security people. Because they can see that the risk is actually relatively low and that they need that budget for other things. So the first thing I would definitely do is understand, as you said, how would a breach affect the business? And let's make sure that an appropriate risk assessment has been done. Now, if it's been done following the NIST or ISO guidance, that's not going to work for me because that is um, technical. It results in understanding the risk to information assets instead of understanding the risk to the business. And there's a, there's a huge difference there. Um, we need to be able to translate it back in terms of the risk to the business because the business only has so much money to invest, whether it be into cyber or into marketing or into inventory management or, or anything else. So my goal would be to be able to report back to the head of the chair of the audit committee whether an appropriate level of investment is being made, whether they are receiving business-focused risk assessment information. Because, and again, I talked about this at multiple times on my blog, but the surveys show that while members of the audit committee, members of the board are concerned about cyber, they don't understand the risk. And and so they, they, they can't really judge whether it's been done properly or not. And and I think the head of internal audit has a great opportunity to to help the technical management bridge to the business management and then bridge to the board and make sure everybody is on the same page and understanding what the level of risk is and therefore how that level of risk needs to be addressed. Because Sometimes you need to accept that a Brit, uh, something will happen because almost, you know, there's very few organizations that have the technical skills and resources to prevent mm. a breach. But almost everybody can have procedures to respond to one and perhaps to limit the, the damage that is done. Um, so that I would definitely take that on because that is, I understand the risk, 
but my goal is to help them put it into perspective, help them to understand the techno babble that is coming out of the CISO, and sometimes the CIO, and to put everything into, into context. And that, I would absolutely involve the CEO in that discussion because he will love to know just how much he, risk he is taking when it comes to cyber because they, most CEOs won't know that. They just yeah. as concerned as the board. They're getting pressure from the board. They're getting pressure from the technical people and the city in the middle. And that's why I wanted to ask is because you hit on it is that they likely don't understand. They, they know they need to do something, but don't understand the risk and probably don't especially understand the tech piece. And so I feel like there's, I dumbed it down a little bit to say, Hey, I represent the, the organization. You're the CAE go do cyber, you know? Cause I feel like that's basically what's being told is, okay, go like, go do ESG, just go audit ESG or go audit cyber and then tell us that we can sleep easy at night. Um, which can be a little difficult. I mean, excuse me for interrupting you about that because this is an odd, this is a situation where the CAE needs to be thinking about what does the organization need from me? How can I help them most? Do I help them most by writing an audit report that says that cybersecurity is not adequate? They still will know how much to invest and they may overinvest and limit their investment in revenue generating uh, opportunities. But if I can help them understand, if I can move the organization into improved risk assessment processes, not just in cyber, but all technology-related risks, in fact, why not all risks and opportunities, that should be the, the scope and the purpose of the head of internal audit is to help the organization succeed. And they should always be thinking about what can I do more of, what can I do less of, in order to improve the value that I'm providing to the organization. And it's not necessarily how many findings I'm having. It's not even necessarily how much money I'm saving through process improvements. It's how am I affecting the likelihood of the organization to be successful. This is, people, people talk about wanting a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be invited to the table when people see you as adding value. Yeah. And, and not just being there ready to write an audit report. Yeah. But the head of internal audit, if they have that mindset, and you talked about that at the beginning, it's, it's the mindset of, I am a business person. I'm here to help the organization succeed, not just find fault not just identify opportunities to avoid open manhole covers, um, not just to report on people's failures. It is to provide that assurance that people need so they can rely upon processes, systems, people, organization, advice and insights in different ways. Mm-hmm. And we have to really think, sit back and think about how can we do that. And that means sometimes we take on non-traditional audit activities. We should, we, we criticize management when they, where we ask, why are you doing something? They say, we've always done it this way. That's what we're doing. Our job is not to write audit reports. 
but that seems to be what most people focus on. Yeah. I have given the almost theme of tangents between the two of us. I have what might be the most difficult question. Okay. In 30 seconds, sign us off. What do you want to leave the audience with? What do you feel like is the uh, internal audit's biggest issue right now? How could we fix that? Uh, lasting words. If if this was, uh, what do you want left on your tombstone? Pick any one of those. Uh, whatever you want your your last thirty seconds to be, we can run with that. I think being an internal audit is a wonderful opportunity to be of huge value to the organization, and that means using all the powers of intellect, imagination, curiosity, and our technical skills to understand what is happening, why it's happening, and how it can be improved. And we need to be focused on how can we best help the organization and its leadership make the right decisions for success and then deliver that. And we should be open to any technique, any method, any style that will make us more valuable to our leadership so that so that you get the kind of message that I got once in my life, which was internal audit provides us with a competitive advantage. I treasure that. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.